Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to read from the book of John, one of the Gospels. And uh, we're still in our vision series. We talked all last month about um, serving. And didn't Pastor Adam do a good job wrapping that up last Sunday? Somebody told me in between services that, hey, you better not be missing too many more Sundays. Might be out of a job. And I said, if the son exceeds the father, it's because of the father. (laughs) So um, now we're transitioning. So our vision is to serve, save, shape our world through Jesus Christ. So we're going to be serving this month. So I'm going to talk about salvation and and our responsibility in presenting the gospel. And so we're going to start out in the book of John. We're going to read this story about Jesus and a Pharisee in an incognito meeting at night. So if you have a paper Bible and you want to turn there, if you have a Bible on your phone or your device, or you just want to be lazy and look at the screen. We're going to start in uh, John chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they were born again. Can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, Jesus said, and you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses was lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because of their deeds, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Father, we thank you today. Your grace has been sufficient to get us here, Lord, and we believe it'll be sufficient to keep us. God, we know that your word today has the power to transform the way we think. 
and in turn transform what we do. And so we ask that you'd begin that process in us this morning. Lord, make us better because we were together today. And we pray that because we came here and looked into your word, that your gospel will go forward far and wide. Thank you for including us in this great story. And we give you all the honor and the praise. And it's in your mighty name, the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. This is a a, a neat story. There's a, a Pharisee who happens to be not just a Pharisee, but also a part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council. And evidently he has heard or seen enough of Jesus in his early ministry. This is very, this is pretty early in the ministry of Jesus. He's seen, heard enough of him that he's inquiring. And so he, he makes a request to see Jesus and uh, it's kind of peculiar because he makes that request at night. The, the consensus or the popular thought process in this is that he was meeting him at night because of being a Pharisee. And these were men who were leaders and strict adherents to the law, to the, to the Old Testament law. And so him associating during the day or seeing having a conversation or inquiring of Jesus during the day might have uh, impeded that reputation. And so he makes the request to see Jesus at night and Jesus willingly complies. He tells Jesus, we know, we, plural we, as in we're, we're assuming that he's talking about other Jewish leaders. We know that you're a teacher from God because of what you have done. Because what you have done is not ordinary. What you have done is not normal. What you've done is not in the realm of human possibility. We know that you must have come from God. Now, what you'll notice is that he doesn't jump the gap between Jesus being a teacher from God and Jesus being the Messiah. So don't get that confused. He's not saying you are God. He's saying we believe, we believe that God has empowered you to do these things. And so there's still a giant gap there in Nicodemus' thinking. He says, yes, we believe you've come from God because you can do all these things. Jesus then enters into the conversation and says, hey, you got to be born again. <laughs> and Nicodemus is like, okay, but like I was with my mom just the other day and I'm, I'm not an anatomy major. I'm not in a biology major. I don't have a degree in any of those things. But they taught us when we were kids that that only happened once. I don't know any of my friends that ever tried it again. So the conversation becomes extremely confusing for Nicodemus. We're going to get into that. And then, and then this conversation is wrapped up with a commentary from John of hope. So I want to point out a few things this morning. Um, one of them is this. I believe, I believe in, in modern day church, we have sort of given up on the idea of, of um, how do I say this? Of Jesus style evangelism. Watch this. Because Jesus would meet people where they are, how they were. 
God has always been willing to meet people where they are and how they are. He's he's willing to meet people without without, uh, prerequisites. He's willing to meet people without, um, well, we got to negotiate how we're going to do this because I don't want to ruin my reputation. No, God just meets people where they are in the condition that they are currently in. So Nicodemus evidently set some criteria. Hey, I, I'm interested enough to come talk to you, but I need, I need to do it at night. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, you know what? I'll be down at the synagogue at 815, 945, 1115. It's a cool place. You come down, you get some coffee, and they might have donuts. And you can, you can come, you could buy a synagogue t-shirt. And I'll be down there. What you see is Jesus went, okay. You want to wait till dark? That's fine. I'll wait till dark. Jesus was so willing to, to be flexible in where he met and who he met and how he met him. And there was never this prerequisite for people. Zacchaeus, you, you want me to meet you at dark? I know you want me to meet you at dark because you think it might bruise your reputation a little bit to see me out in the light. Can can I say this? Jesus wasn't even offended by that. The fact that the the fact that Nicodemus wanted to meet him at night, Jesus didn't puff his chest out and go, "Hey, man, you just said, like, I'm from God. I'm actually the Messiah, and you're setting criteria on when I have to meet you." No, because Jesus came to serve, not to be served and give his life as a ransom for many. So if somebody said, Hey, I got to meet you at night. He was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's meet at night. So he was always willing to meet people. And then when you fast forward a little bit, you run into the apostle Paul and Paul makes a statement where he says, I'll become all things to all people that I may win a few. He said, if I've become weak to minister to the weak, I'll do that. If I've become like a Jew to minister to Jews and be a, a strict interpretation of the old, of the, of the of the old covenant, I'll be like them. I'll eat what they eat and I'll go where they go. If, if it means ministering to Gentiles, I'll eat like they eat and go where they go. So there's no rule. There was no rules. So, so I look at our modern day church and and I, there, there's reasons that we do things the way we do. Now I wore a button up shirt today. If it was my preference, I'd wear a t-shirt every Sunday because it's easy. And you don't have to iron it. But it's also telling people there's no prerequisite to come into the building. I, I can remember, I can remember when I only saw pastors in suits, even outside the church. Uh, I just want to let you know I was never that guy. <laughs> so what happens is. By not even knowingly, sometimes we can set up these criteria that people have to meet in order for us to share the gospel with them. So watch this. What if somebody said, hey man, I'm interested in what you do. Could you meet me down at the bar next week and let's have a conversation with it? You go, 815, 945 or 1115, my pastor could talk to you. Because I'm not sure that would be a place that I need to be. I'm not sure that would be a place that would be, be good for me to show up at. I mean, you're going to hell already. <laughs> In reality, you got nothing to lose. Me? 
I mean, I've been saved for a while. I've been saved for a while. It's going to look bad on me meeting you in a bar with the lights on. What if somebody sees my truck outside? What if some, Jesus went, no, I'll meet you at night. I'll meet you where you are in the condition you are on your terms. I'll just meet you there. I'll just meet you there. And what I found over the years is the church has kind of given up that territory, haven't we? We've given up the territory of like, hey, we'll just meet you wherever it's convenient for you. And we've said, I think you should come to church, by the way. Don't misinterpret this as like, oh, he just said we didn't have, we could go to the bar on Sunday morning. He said it was fine. <laughs> I didn't say that. The Bible also says, make sure you're gathering together to encourage each other, look into the word and all those things. It's important for you to be here on Sunday morning. But he didn't say relinquish giving hope to people for Sunday mornings. What, what you saw Jesus do was not wait until there was an opportunity to preach in a synagogue. He was just going about people's daily business and he would insert him, hey, Nicodemus, if you want to meet me at night, I'll meet you at night. Uh, Zacchaeus, if, if we got to go to your house to eat, Matthew, if we got to go to your house to eat, I'll, I'll meet you wherever you want to, wh- wherever we can do it because I'm not worried about being caught with you. I'm not worried about being caught with you. So what happens is Jesus just meets Nicodemus where Nicodemus is. Hey, I understand. If you're a little fearful of being seen with me during the day, that's fine. You're not going to hurt my pride. You're not going to hurt. I'll, I'll meet you at night. That's fine. I'll meet you where you are in the condition that you're in right now. It's totally fine. So he meets Nicodemus. Now, now Nicodemus does this great thing where he, at the beginning, says, man, I think you're, we think you're a teacher come from God because of all the things that you do. But there's still this giant gap that's happening in the conversation. We think you're a teacher come from God because of what we've seen you do. Then Jesus says, hey, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, okay, um, well, that's not going to happen. Then Jesus goes into this well, you've got to be born of the water and spirit. And, and he starts going into this thing. And Nicodemus again says, still doesn't work, bro. I don't know what you're talking about. So I want you to, I want you to look into this with me a little bit. I believe our culture has drastically changed from when I was a kid. Okay? I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to remember when it wasn't this way. I'm not saying it was good or bad. The 80s were weird. Anybody remember that? So it's different. And here's how it's different. What you have to understand about Nicodemus is, is this is possibly the first time he's hearing that what he is currently doing is not good enough to get him what he thinks he's getting. So, so watch this. Nicodemus is part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling council of the Jews. So this guy is a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's like Paul would say that he remembers him being. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I kept the strictest law. I kept every, I dotted every I and crossed every T. Man, you weren't getting anything by me. I followed it to the T. Well, he would have been raised in the culture where that would have been enough. Man, Pharisees are are. Are, have the righteousness, God, their righteousness is because of what they do. And look at it. They were so perfect. They, they, they follow all the law, all these things. 
And it would have been good enough for them for God to accept them. That's the way they were raised. Jesus shows up and he goes, hey, you got to do something else. You need to be born again. And Nicodemus, can you imagine? Hey, wait a second. I know scripture. It's the first time I'm hearing this. When's the last time you've ever heard anyone say, you need to be born again? We don't use that terminology anymore, do we? But watch this. Not everybody that is going to hell believes they are going to hell. Did you hear that? Some of you are like, really? (laughs) So the grace happens when we understand that in our culture today, where most people do not attend church and now the generations that are coming up have never been to church, have never heard the grace of God, have never heard that they are going to hell, have never heard anything like that. Now the church comes out and says, hey, you need to be born again. And they go, for what? For what? My life's pretty sweet. Even if it's not pretty sweet, they're like, For what? So you have to understand, Nicodemus is hearing this for the first time. It's earth shattering to him. You mean I've lived this whole time like this and now you're telling me there's something to add on top of it? There's something else? that Now you're telling me that I need to have faith in Christ? Now you're telling me it was earth shattering. But you notice that Jesus stays in the conversation. Jesus stays in the conversation. He doesn't look at Nicodemus and go, hey man, if you don't believe it, I ain't got time for this. Ain't nobody got time for this. He doesn't say that. He just says, hey, listen, I'll I'll come at it again this way. I'll come at it again this way. Let's just have a conversation. And so what happens is, in our culture, can you lean in for a second? I'm going to tell you something you may not understand. If you've grown up in church, if you've been in church all your life, you you may not even realize this. There's a lot of people who have never heard that Jesus died on the cross to save them from their sins. Ever. There are people that are walking in our church on a Sunday morning that have never heard, the, never heard that the grace of God can, can give them forgiveness that they've been searching for. They've never heard it. So the first time that we go, hey man, Jesus wants to save you, they go, okay. I don't think I'm in danger of being lost. They have no concept of what, you're, what we're talking about. None whatsoever. So Nicodemus is looking at Jesus going, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody's ever said anything like this. No, I don't, I don't understand. Go back to my mom's womb. That's not possible. And then Jesus kind of leaned in a little more and he leaned in a little more and he leaned in a little more. So he's willing to meet him where he was and he wasn't shocked when he didn't understand. And, and as, a, as a church that's trying to push the gospel forward, we have to meet people where they are in the condition they're in and realize up front that they may not get it the first time. Is that fine with you? Can, can I be a little transparent? Sometimes I'm like a three strikes and you're out. I'm like, dude, I've told you. And then I told you again. And then I told you again. And now you're going to hell for good. (laughs) I mean, hey, I tried really hard three times in five minutes. 
And so, it's amazing how Jesus was willing to lean into people's unbelief and not leave a conversation because of it. Isn't it crazy? We will run away from people because of a political conversation, much less the gospel. And Jesus would just lean in. Oh, you don't know how you can go back to your mother's room? That's kind of a misinterpretation of what I'm saying. Let me say it another way. Oh, you don't, you don't understand still? That's fine. Let me say it another way. Let me say it another way. And he just, he just stays in the conversation. And here's how they know we care about them, that we don't leave the conversation because they don't believe like we believe at the end of the conversation. I need you to understand something that happens at the end of this. If you fast forward to the end, there is no resolution to this conversation. Nicodemus doesn't go, oh, I believe totally right now. I'd like you to baptize me. I like, I'm, I'm believing on you and, and all's good. It's sort of just like it quits. Like at some point, um, Nicodemus goes, hey, thanks for talking with me. I'm going to go back home now. And Jesus did, it doesn't record Jesus walking away going, oh man, that was a waste of time. I'll never do that again. Just another Pharisee wasting my time. There's no record of anything like that. It's just Jesus is willing to meet with him on his terms and his condition. He's willing to stay engaged with the conversation. He's willing to understand that, man, this is the first time this guy's hearing this and it's blowing his mind right now. Okay. And there was no resolution to it in that moment. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. And you know what? We have to be fine with it too because here's the thing. We are not... We are not serving people and sharing the gospel with them just to check a box. Oh, we got three more people saved this week. Isn't it great? When we don't even know their name. Oh, we stay engaged. We say, this isn't a bait and switch. This isn't a like, oh, could, would you just accept Jesus so I can check the box and let the pastor know I'm doing my part. <laughs> Put $5 in and got two people saved. Praise the Lord. No, it's, you know what? I walked with him until he believed. And his unbelief didn't scare me away. His unbelief didn't scare me away. You know, Jesus didn't go, I can't believe that you don't believe. He just kept leaning into the guy, leaning into the guy, leaning into the guy. And then he does this one little thing. A lot of people get, well, what does the water mean? What does the spirit mean? Jesus is having a conversation with him on a level that he just doesn't understand. And then Jesus does this awesome thing. He takes something that Nicodemus would understand and connects it to something that he doesn't yet understand. He takes the old and connects it to the new. Takes the old, connects it to the new. And I want to show you how he does this because this is beautiful. Nicodemus is a, is a member of the ruling council. If, if you research those guys a little bit, they memorize large portions of the Old Testament. Some of them memorize the whole thing. And you think memorizing John 3, 16 was a feat. Could you imagine growing up memorizing the whole Old Testament, the prophets and the law? Jesus looks at Nicodemus. They're back and forth a little bit. Jesus is like, come on, man, you're a teacher. Don't you know this stuff? So they're, they're engaged in this little back and forth conversation and Nicodemus isn't getting it. And then Jesus says, 
It's just like when Moses raised up the serpent in the wilderness. If you just read over that, you're like, I don't know, Moses had a snake. No, no, no. Israel had rebelled against God in the wilderness. Moses was leading them. And to, to quell the judgment of the rebellion, Moses had to lift up a snake. It was symbolic. He lifted the snake up and it was symbolic of lifting up, lifting up Jesus. And so now all these years later, Jesus knows that Nicodemus would know that by heart. And so he looks at him, he says, hey man, just like Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man will have to be lifted up. And he went, remember that? Now it's here. So watch this. The grace of God is woven through everybody's life, whether you believe in it or not. Do you realize that? Here's how it sounds. You meet your buddy at the bar. <laughs> That's what we're talking about on the Sunday morning. Meet your buddy at the bar. He starts talking. He says, man, listen, I'm glad you met me. I'm just having some trouble and I just need to talk to somebody. He goes, hey, I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to drink a sweet tea, but I'm here. Just because everything is permissible doesn't mean everything is beneficial, Paul said. So I'm here. I'm going to listen to you. What's going on? And you know what? Ten years ago, I went through this rough patch. almost died. What'd you say? Yeah, I almost died. Okay. The grace of God kept you from dying, and now the grace of God is here. You see, you see what Jesus did? He went, just as Remember what you learned when you were a kid? Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness and the people were healed. Remember that? Just like that, the son of man will be lifted up and you'll be saved. Nicodemus goes, oh, oh, now he's talking about something I, can, I remember. Now he's talking about something I can connect to. I didn't understand the rebirth thing. I didn't understand the whole mom thing. I didn't understand. All that. But now he went back to just as Moses. I knew that by heart when I was seven. And so what we fail to do is realize we think the grace of God starts in people's lives when they accept him as their savior, but the grace of God has been keeping them up to that point because it says he's long suffering and he's slow to anger and he just, he just keeps going after and going after. That's the grace of God. So when your friend sitting at the bar next to you says, Hey man, I almost died seven years ago. Boom. The grace of God kept you from dying. And now you're here. The grace of God is here for you. Connect. I'm meeting you where you are in the circumstance you're in, but God's grace has been on you your whole life. Man, the divorce I had 15 years ago almost killed me. What'd you say? Almost? Mm. And the grace of God is so good, isn't it? He's here today. Man, man, it, my kids, my kids were devils. Everybody could say that. No, they're not. This happened, this happened. I almost died in a car accident. I almost died here. I went, I went through this bad thing. I lost this love and I did this almost, this almost. And you, if you listen to people's lives, you hear the grace of God, whether they're believers or not. You hear it over and over and over again. And so what Jesus does, he says, listen, I know Nicodemus knows this. Just like the servant was lifted up in the wilderness. So the son of man will be lifted. Ah, he's connecting what happened to what will happen. And we need to be able to do that in people's lives because this is the story of hope. This is the story of hope. This is a story of hope. So we don't, oh, you almost died, man. Yeah, you went straight to hell. Yep. You better get right. right. You better get right now or get left. 
By the way, that never works ever. Jesus never said that. Get right or get left. No, he said the grace that God gave the Israelites that you have memorized in the wilderness is here for you today. That same grace is here for you today. So he's able to connect the two things and bring them together in a way that Nicodemus would have understood it. And Nicodemus is like, now you're talking my language. And so often the church has tried to scare people into believing that God wants to save them. I remember growing up as a kid thinking because I said a cuss word, I wasn't going to heaven anymore. I didn't cuss all the time. Some, most days. But I used to think like, oh man, if I say a cuss word right before he comes, I think I've told this story before. I would, if my dad was disabled, so he was home all the time and he couldn't, there was years where he couldn't drive. And so if, if I came home from school and he wasn't there, I'd call my mom at work. If she didn't pick up, I'd try to find my grandparents because I knew all of those people were going to heaven. If I couldn't find any of them, I'd look at my brother and go, looks like we missed it. (laughs) Anybody else do that? That is not a made up story. That is, I'm telling you right now, that's the God's honest truth. Me and my brother, I'd be like, I don't know. It's no use to pray now. Let's go. It's over now. We're going to have some fun now. I mean, we're going to hell anyway. (laughs) Crazy. That was crazy thinking. But I grew up in a culture, in a church culture, that tried to scare you out of hell into heaven. There's a phrase for that. Scare out of you. So that's, that was the thing. So you were getting saved every week. Like the grace of God wasn't even in existence. It's like, boom, oh, I lost it. Boom, I lost it. Boom, I lost it. I lost it. Like the mind of a 16-year-old boy has ever been pure. And you're going, I lost it, I lost it, I lost it again every eight seconds. I lost it. And you're just going, how does this even work? How does the grace of God work? And here's the thing. The church for years has been trying to herd people into heaven through fear with a cattle prod. Don't go to hell, don't go to hell, don't go to hell. It's going to hurt, it's going to burn, it's going to burn, it's going to burn, it's going to burn. But Jesus didn't approach people like that. He approached them with, hey, listen, remember how the grace of God was there for the Israelites when they were plagued because they disobeyed and he lift, Moses lifted up the snake? The grace of God is still here today. And when Jesus is lifted up, when the Son of Man is lifted up, that same grace is going to be here. He said, there's hope for you. This is not just about escaping hell. If that's all it was, heaven wouldn't have to be that great. This is about the God of all the universe loves us to the point where he says, I've prepared something for you you can't even imagine that you can't imagine. I want you to be there so bad with me that I will come to you on your terms. I will come to you as you are and I'll try to connect everything that I've done in your life up to this point. You almost died. You were almost ruined. You almost didn't make it. That almost killed you. But the grace of God in your life, just like you lifted up the snake when the son of man is lifted up. I'm tired of trying to scare people into heaven. It never works. It never lasts. It never lasts. I remember, I told the first service, I remember we were on a mission trip in Costa Rica and um, we had a day where we were horseback riding. My wife hates horses, but she loves us. And so we were like, hey, maybe we'll get on a horse. 
and, and ride. We had no idea. My daughter's been riding horses for years. She walks into the stables and she panics. And I'm like, these guys know what they're doing. Literally ropes just wrapped around the horse's muzzle. And, uh, and um, they just give us the ropes. No instruction. There's like 10 people get on these horses. And I hear the guy go, yeah. I'm not kidding. The woman beside us who was with us, her horse takes off. She starts screaming. My horse begins to take off. I'm, I'm a strong man. I tried to pull that horse. I'm like, stop. I couldn't say, I don't know how to say Spanish and stop in Spanish. I was just like, he's going to get it one way or the other. I'm pulling. My wife is over here crying. I'm like, pull all the reins. This dude behind us is going, no pull, no pull. I'm like, I'm pulling and you're going to get my wife off of that horse. This is not a horse ride. You're hurting these horses and we happen to be on them. True story. These things take off running. I mean, I'm, I screamed at the guy. I was like, you stop that horse right now. I get my wife off of it. Or I'll get locked up right here. So, so I realized we took a staff retreat at Deep Creek. Went horseback riding again. You love me. She got on the horse. It was a totally different experience. You know why? Because we weren't trying to scare the horses. We were just going with them. She still hated it. Jesus did not come to scare you into heaven or be upset with you because you didn't understand the first time or be upset with you because the first time you're presented with the gospel, you go, I don't understand it. I'm living a pretty good life. I don't understand why this gospel thing matters. I don't understand. That's not why he came. He came to stay engaged in your life to the point where you have no choice but to believe him. He came to reveal himself to you over and over and over and over. And it's a message of hope, not fear. It's a message of, listen, I'm here for you. I, I, I want to deliver you. I want to save you. And yes, there is a hell to escape, but there's so much more to gain. And so what John does, if you notice, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible where all Jesus' words are in red letters, you'll notice that right at John 3.16, it stops being read. But it sounds like Jesus is still talking. And so scholars think some of them believe it could be Jesus. Some of them think it's John's commentary on what Jesus was saying. But John wraps up this conversation. If it's his commentary on the conversation, he wraps it up like this. It's not fearful. It's not judgmental. John's not upset. He says this. A lot of you already know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message of hope. He sums up the whole conversation with, with Jesus and Nicodemus by saying, there's hope. There's hope. God will meet you where you are. He'll, 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 he'll deal with your unbelief and he'll wade through that. He's staying in the conversation and he doesn't have to have it all resolved in five minute conversation. He's willing to walk along with you. He's willing, he's willing, to, he's willing to stay in it with you and he wants you to know that there's hope. God's the love of the world. He gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You know what? There's not in that verse any fear. Any fear. 
So you know what the beautiful thing about it is? The band's going to come. Why don't you stand? The beautiful thing about it is this. <laughs> I'm, I'm in dangerous territory right now because I'm going to give you the permission to do stuff that I don't know if you should do it. If there's no fear for the one receiving the grace, there's no, there should be no fear for the one giving the grace. And when I say it, I want, to, I want you to make sure you understand this. You've been coming to church for a while. You're in the cool kid group. And you, uh, you're confident about your, the grace and mercy of God in your life. And you're, you've built the reputation of being a good person. And then all of a sudden somebody says, hey man, I need you to help me out. I need you to meet me here. And you go, ooh, I don't know if I'm allowed to be seen there. I don't know if I can hang out with that guy. I don't know if I can be in this place. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. There's as much grace for us giving the gospel as there is for the one receiving it. And when I say that, I mean it like this. If I walk into the bar and see you, I won't say anything. If you walk into the bar and see me, don't let me hear it come back around. I saw the pastor down there the other day. Obviously he has a problem. Yeah, you know what the problem is? You. I'm meeting you at the bar trying to get you saved. <laughs> so we operate in grace and we realize that God has called us to minister to people where they are. And so the grace of God protects me going into where people are just like it delivers them from where they are. Amen? So in our culture... We say, hey, listen, I know where you are is not necessarily convenient for me to be there, but I'm going anyway. I know where you are could hit my pride a little bit if I come down that, that but I'm going anyway. I, I know if you ask me to meet you at night, I'm fine with that. If you ask me to meet you here, I'm fine with that. If you ask me to meet you there, I'm fine with that. And then what happens is there's no off limits for the church. We don't have to give up territory to anyone. So the grace of God covers us in order to present the grace of God. So now the church can penetrate every area of society. Amen? Everywhere. There's no off limits. Oh, you can't take the gospel in it. That's where we got to take it. That's where we should be serving. That's where we should be going on a regular basis. Where are they, Lord? Where, where are people that need to hear your message? Where do they need friends? Where do they need influence? Where, we'll just go there. We'll just go there. Yeah, do we have services? 815, 945, 1115? Yeah, that's great. But guess what? Most of the people that need to hear the gospel won't show up here. No matter how good it is, they're not coming here. So what has to happen? Oh, Nicodemus, you're not coming to the synagogue to hear me preach. I'll meet you at night. That's fine, I'll meet you at night. And so then the restraints are taken off the gospel because we haven't put any restraints on ourselves. And we say, you know what? Like Paul, if it means I got to become weak to minister to the weak, I'll do that. It means I become like that guy to minister to that guy, I'll do that. If it means I got to meet him over here, I'll meet him over there. If it means I got to do this, I got to do that. Because this message of hope has to get to these people. It has to get to them. Lord, we thank you this morning. Lord, if we're standing in this building, you've been good to us. We've heard your message. Lord, we thank you for it. But God, we pray that we wouldn't hold it too tight. 
as to, as to not be able to distribute it. God, but we pray that you'd free us. You'd give us the grace to see where people are and you'd give us the power to go into it. Lord, and minister like you did. Meet people where they are in the condition that they are in. Lord, we pray that we able to show them how your grace has already been there. Lord, we pray that we'd be able to present that message of hope. God, give us a hopeful faith today. And Lord, we pray that your name would be made great, God. Lord, we pray that we'd get a bad reputation for being in the wrong place. But we pray that your gospel would go for it because of it. Lord, take the limits off. I pray that you send this church everywhere, Lord. And that the harvest would be great because of it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you give him praise and honor this morning? He's good. Amen. Hey, listen, encourage someone. And we'll see you back here next week to serve.